What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is co-host Ridge, back, another episode. Good evening. Good evening, Jack. This is Chris coming over here uh, from Michigan. Excited to be here, uh, excited to be back recording. Pretty miserable weekend, uh, footy and sports for me in general. Um, how about you? Wow, super depressive tone to start the pod. I love that. Um, yeah, no, pretty uh, – it was terrible, actually. Yeah, uh, Villa lost um, just a game they were always second best in on Sunday. Palace lost a game that they were always second best in on Saturday. Um, so a good refresher, um, you know, as to – well, a reminder and made me think again why I follow both those teams. But, you know, I do. So it's uh, it's not a choice. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the Lions lost. I know you care about that. So Yeah, the Lions lost to the Bears. Uh, we got like a foot of snow here in Detroit today. Not a great couple of days, but uh, we're here. We're alive. We're breathing. It's a, it's right, a good so, evening. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, happy to have you all on the pod. Anyway, this is going to be a super inspirational, uplifting pod. Let's <laughs> let's dive into it. Um, so for starters, this weekend had the fixture. There's two of them in the season. The two best teams in England, Chris. Liverpool Football Club against Manchester City Football Club. And it was, in, it was at Anfield, um, and Liverpool came out on top. Your initial reaction, it was a fucking brilliant game. Excuse my language, but what what a uh, like what an absolute absolute advert for Premier League football. Yeah, it was just one of those matches. Like the first ten fifteen minutes go by, and you're like, oh my god, this is awesome. Uh, Fabinho started it off with just that rip of a goal, and uh, I can't say I'm shocked that Liverpool won. Uh, I had them winning three two. They won three one. Uh, City probably should have gotten another goal. There were a couple of handball shouts that uh, Pep was obviously pretty pissed off about um, on Trent Alexander-Arnold that didn't get called and VAR didn't turn them around. So I think they probably should have gotten at least one more. But uh, overall, I think the better team won. I mean, uh, Liverpool have been the best team all season. They're at home, and they I think they proved it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because the – it's it's almost like I, I, every time I watch Liverpool, they 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 are ca- capable of playing in like two very very different ways, right? So like against City, they are comfortable playing without the majority of possession, right? They they're comfortable, um, you know, Alexander Arnold pinging cross field uh, cross field balls to Robertson, then hitting Salah on the counter, which is what they did on the second goal. They're comfortable doing a lot of that without the ball, really working hard. Uh, Firmino will drop really really deep to to receive the ball as well as to mark defensively. So they do a lot of things uh, from a defensive kind of high press standpoint, kind of like Chelsea do pretty well, um, who are also up there in the table. But then uh, they also, you know, when they play teams that are lower. The, lower in the table, teams that they have to dominate. They're also very, very comfortable playing the type of football that Manchester City try and play the whole game, which is with the ball, very possession heavy, um, lots of intricate runs inside the box, moving the ball quickly from side to side to open up a defense. So I think that the thing that makes you, Liverpool, you know, after that game, it's difficult to see them not going on and win the title and, and you know, knock on wood. I still think I, uh, it's my, well, I, I, my city prediction, what I'm trying to say is a little shaky right now. Um, and it feels shaky uh, standing by it, but um it feels like Liverpool are capable of playing both both styles of football, a counterattacking, uh, pressing style, as well as a very, very possession-based style, and they have just some freak athletes, really, really good players all across the board. So, um, yeah, they came out on top, and rightfully so, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think barring any major injuries, it seems pretty unlikely that anyone other than Liverpool would win the title this year. 
Um, for me, last season, I know I raved about Virgil Van Dyke for a lot of the year. Uh, obviously, you got Sala, who was probably the best player in the Prem last year, outside of maybe Virgil. Um, you got uh, Sadio Mane, who is having um, maybe the best season of anybody in the Prem this year. Yeah, career good, year. But the difference between them and everyone else is their fullbacks. Alexander Arnold and Robertson are just on another level from any other fullback in the Prem. Yeah, I think I think Alexander Arnold might be the best outside back in world football. Yeah, um, I think and I, and if not him, I think it might be Robertson. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like it's it's insane, you know. It makes it, it, he makes Kyle Walker look like a joke. Uh, he sure Kyle Walker's pacey, but Alexander Arnold is ridiculously pacey, an incredible one-on-one defender. He had Bernardo in his pocket for most of the game. Um, he his ability with the ball. I was I was reading tweets. Gary Lineker um, was asking for Alexander Arnold to play as a number ten in a game. Um, because he's just so his passing vision is is so incredible. The, so he's an incredible he's an incredible defender. He's ridiculous. He's got an absurd shot. He takes all their set pieces as well. I think he's the best outside back in world football. I think he is too. The only other player in the Premier League that might rival him when it comes to passing, crossing, set piece play is De Bruyne. Like there, it's like Alexander Arnold has like the ability that De Bruyne does there, but he's in a more athletic body and somehow playing right back. Yeah, he, yeah, absolutely. Very, very true. He would definitely beat De Bruyne in a dead sprint. He is insanely good. And Klopp, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's just – he sets them up to win no matter what how they're playing or who they're playing. Like, yeah, they can do I it mean – like, like you were talking about, they can do it in different ways. I was talking to my dad about this the other day, actually, and he was talking about Liverpool and the counter that they run. And they – against some teams, like against City or some of the, the bigger teams they play, they – almost play like they're a, a bottom six club where they're like, you know what, we're cool. We're cool playing on the back foot. You guys have possession. You guys have possession. And then they pounce. But they play that style, but their team is so much better than any other team that plays that way. And they're so quick on the break, on the counter. Like, it's it's impossible to, to stop them. Like, you're going to lose the ball at some point because they're so good defensively. And when they mm-hmm. do, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold are so accurate with their passing. And they just, you know, Mane, Salah are so quick. Like, it's like a wave of Liverpool coming at you when they get the ball. And, like, no one can handle it. Yeah, I think I, I, I think uh, that's why I think it's really tough for a team like Man City to beat them. And I just don't think Man City have the capability of playing that way. Uh, you know, fr- from a counter perspective, Man-, Man City are fantastic at possession-based football, moving the ball from side to side very quickly. Right, ball into Rodri's feet, out, you know, out to the wing to Bernardo, back to the middle to uh, Gundogan, switch it to the other side to Sterling. A lot of cross, you know, cross the the goal mouth passes. Just not, uh, which is a great style of play, and it's won them the league back to back seasons. Um, but it's difficult with a team as talented. It reminds me of Mourinho's really strong teams, you know, back with Inter, um, back at Chelsea with Drogba up top, kind of thing. That that won them the title back in the early 2000s. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really, really hard, hard for them, for them to, to get beaten. Well, so I have a question for you about that. So if we're looking at the table right now, Liverpool in first at 34 points. Sheffield United and Arsenal are in fifth and sixth at 17 points. So they have half of the points Liverpool has. So it, you, it naturally you look at four teams right now that are anywhere within a shot of Liverpool. It's Liverpool, then Leicester, Chelsea, City, those four teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we'd probably both agree that it's going to be tough for anyone to take down Liverpool right now. But do you think at this point in the season that 
you think Manchester City is clearly the second best team in the league there, the team that has the best chance of catching them? Uh, yes, yes, I do. I, I think Man City is the second best team in the league, and I think that that, that cream will rise to the top. I think, you know, it, even if it's I think Man City will have an impressive uh, kind of do what Liverpool did last season and have an impressive Champions League campaign um, on the back of maybe some Premier League struggles. But it, like Man City also were riddled with, with injuries, have a lot of players out have, and, and have kind of been fighting through that. And I think as those players start to come back, they'll be in better shape. And I don't know if the form of, of Leicester and Chelsea, Chelsea have won six on the trot is sustainable all season round you know all season long what as people to start to figure out how some of these young guys play and start to you know mark the lights of Pulisic and Mason Mount a little bit differently um you know like everyone knows how Liverpool and and City are going to play that you just can't stop them but I don't think Chelsea and, and Leicester are that good you know I don't know I'm I'm not as uh I'm not in total agreement with you there but I think that City are probably the the clear next choice but I was watching Leicester against Arsenal this weekend, and both of Leicester's goals. I mean, they like, they've got like the the one touch passing and like four different guys that can finish from anywhere near the box. It seems like when they're going forward, like they are, they remind me of a team like a a City or like maybe from a few years ago like an Arsenal team that scores these like really beautiful goals, um, with like intricate little passes. And they have a couple of guys. I mean, Vardy is playing as well as anybody. James Madison is, I think, becoming one of the best attacking midfielders in the prime. Um, it's tough. Teal- it- Tielemans, Tielemans is an early like player of the season candidate as well. No, I think uh, I, I, I agree. I like. I'm not. I don't think Leicester's a bad team. Well, and then we're talking about fullbacks too. But- Pereira and Chilwell are pretty good as well. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're quite on City's level, but with the injuries that City has too, they're so banged up defensively. Um, you know, I, I think that I don't know if City's a, a shoe in for second right now. I think there's a much better chance of Liver- I would give Liverpool um, winning the title a much higher lock percentage than City being in the top two. A much higher lock percentage. I, I don't know what you mean. No, I do know. I do know what you mean. I, I, I just think, I, I agree. Leicester and, and Chelsea are on the back of a couple big win streaks, so I'm not gonna like fully jump in on like in into those waters. But I, I do agree, right? It, 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 they're, they're good teams. Well, so let's, let's talk um, while we're on this. Let's let's, let's switch up our order a little bit here. Talk Chelsea then, because I know we kind of touched on them for a second. Okay. Um, you said they won six on the trot. Obviously, like we're we're not sponsored by NBC Sports unless we talk about Christian Pulisic for about fifteen to twenty minutes here. So let's go. <laughs> yeah, Pulisic has got five and five, and I'll be the first to admit um, I've been watching him very very closely because I've been eager. Obvi- obviously, NBC has been hyping it up. I've been eager to see how he plays, and I've been skeptical because I've I've watched you know I've watched players come over from the Bundesliga before and not been wildly impressed. Uh, he's good. He's really good. Uh, he changes. What's really, really impressive to me is he changes direction really, really quickly without the ball. He's much smaller than I realized. Really, really skinny and really, really slight of frame. Um, and I think that helps him a lot. He reminds um, me of Sterling I kinda, a little bit. Yeah, he kind of does. Like, um, but he moves a little bit, a, a little bit less explosively, but a little quicker side to side than I think Sterling he's does. Very like shifty. He's probably slow, a slow, slower in a dead sprint. And so, you know, when he's um, 
you know, he's been very dangerous when he's on when they're when Chelsea are attacking and they're winning some of these games, you know, by by a few goals, by two, three, four goals. When they're attacking and they need someone in that final third to like make one guy miss real quick or have a dummy and go past somebody, he's doing that right now. Um, will you know? Will he be able to do something similar, or will he be able to match up when they play some of the big teams? I like to see how he reacts when he has to cover someone defensively, like an Alexander Arnold or something. But I've been really, really impressed for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, like you mentioned, I agree. He's he's just very shifty. Uh, I think that he's very good. I've watched him play for the U.S. for a while, and, I mean, compared to the other players in the squad, of course he's going to look good, but he has been, like, very, very impressive in the games I've watched for when he's played for his, his country. And uh, he just, like, I don't know if it's solely because of their style or what it is, but... I don't know. I, I saw, so um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Chelsea, they played their youngest uh, starting 11 ever in the Premier, for a Premier League match this weekend. Wow. The average age was uh, just over 24 years old. Christian Pulisic has scored five goals in three matches. Tammy, Tammy Abraham could end up leading the Premier League in goals this year. Mason Mount has been phenomenal. Hudson Odoi is starting to get more time. Ruben Loftus Cheek is going to be coming back in the next few weeks, I think. Um, this team, like, it's, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because they've played 12 games this year, but this looks like it could be like a long, long tenure for Frank Lampard if they continue to progress. They, they've progressed so much from the first game of the season to where they're at now, and it's all with these young players. When they can start to sign guys next summer, they could be real scary. Yeah, I think I mean what they kind of remind me of is is you know the last the Spurs of the last two three seasons right yeah, a lot of home that's some home some some homegrown talent um, a, a good manager a good man manager who's going to help some of these young guys you know envision and map out the rest of their career so do I think they're in a good spot hell yeah um, you know if I'm a Chelsea fan I'm very very excited I, I think it's next level quality if I'm looking at Liverpool and City um, you know we're talking global superstars and like different different caliber of teams right and like do I think you know um, Mason Mount going shoulder to shoulder in central midfield with like Rodri Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne like um, you know, I think he gets rubbed off the ball a little bit. Do I think is it always going to be that way? No, but I think there's a, a next level that that Chelsea team needs yeah. to hit to be a you know a, a top two or title contender team. But I get you know very similar to Spurs that that was the same Spurs like flirted with that and kind of mistimed it. So um, I mean, if they're, definitely a high. If they're lucky, you're def- right. They could just follow the same path as Spurs and never win a trophy, and they're in 14th now. So. Right, exactly, and like you know, it's like we're not that far away from that being the reality. You know, that like one or two players get sold, and who knows? But I think if you're a Chelsea fan, reason to be excited. I don't think they're going to win the title. I think they'll probably finish. Um, if you had to predict where they're going to finish right now, I would say, I'd say third. I'd give them third. I think they'll finish above the, above the Leicester team for sure. Yeah, I think that's fair, and that's better than what we would have said coming into the year. So. Hats off to them. Yeah. Yeah, hats off to them for sure. Um, and then kind of uh, filtering down the table, I guess, if we're going we're going out of out of order. That's so if fine. we're going just down the table. In fifth, what could be a Europa League spot, you currently have hashtag blades, Sheffield United. Chris, thoughts on Sheffield United and Chris Wilder? You kind of said it when we were lead- getting ready to record, but he might be a genius. He-, he Honestly, he gives a great interview. He gave a great interview in a pub, I think, like, 
four four or five years ago when he took charge. Um, I don't need a fact check of when he took charge, but he gave this fantastic interview like outside of a pub. He got a, 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 a appointed or like recently got appointed, and everyone's like, "Who is this guy? Like, where is he from?" And he gives this interview. He's like, "I'm from just down the road. I used to get my hair cut here. I used to shop here. I walk past this fountain. Like, I am Sheffield United Football Club. I know what we need. I know what we're gonna do." And it sounded very like Homer, you know, fan, you know, who used to manage a Sheffield United fantasy team just became the actual manager kind of thing. Um, uh, but, it, you know, it turns out it, he's got a shit ton of an emotion, a shit ton of emotional intelligence. He's actually one of the managers who I am most pleased with the way they're speaking about VAR and press conferences. So if you didn't catch this past weekend, uh, Lundstrom was offsides for a Sheffield United goal against Spurs, um, and David McGoldrick's goal was uh, disallowed as Lundstrom kind of was in the buildup and uh, the ball got to McGoldrick, and so they canceled it out. It was a really lengthy review. The review went on for like four minutes. Um, but, you know, and it was like a fraction offside, like the I big toe. I didn't think he looked offside, but... Right. It was really close. Like, they mapped... They mapped it out with like the you know the protractor on VAR and it's like barely over the line, and so they ruled rule no goal and it took a long time. And when Chris Wilder was asked about it after the game, he said, um, "Well, if it took you know if VAR got the decision right, if he's uh, past the line, it's offsides, it's offsides. Um, even if it's a slim margin, um, the rule's the rule, and he's offsides, he's offsides. I'm more concerned about um, the fact. Uh, I'm more concerned about my players' recovery from today and being really, really proud and making sure that they know that we went toe to toe with Spurs today. And I was like, fuck, what a good answer that was, you know? Like he's not buying into all the reporter bait about VAR this, VAR that. Um, instead, he's just focusing on taking the positives, which they should take some massive positives from that result against Spurs this weekend, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, so feel I, got, like I got a lot of respect for I him. I think that's kind of a subtle shot at me because I complain about VAR every week, but um, <laughs> there's a difference. I'm a co-host of a small podcast and these managers are you know on tv and making millions of pounds a year and in charge of these massive clubs and they're still whining like little babies about it so i get it um yeah no i think he's impressive i mean i i know i said this last week i think we were talking about this i still don't really believe that they're as good as they are it's it's just weird um lundstrom is like insanely good uh I don't know, man. Like, they don't really seem like they're fading at all. They're doing this against good clubs. So I'm excited to see where they go with it, but I don't really know what else to say. Like, yeah, they're they're doing great. Like, <laughs> I don't really see them. Yeah. I, I picked up Dean Henderson and uh, my fantasy team because yeah. he's tied for the most clean sheets in the Prem, which they're a newly promoted team. Like, what what's going on? Yeah, I think if you're, you know, thinking about the season and thinking about – the way Sheffield United play and how are they doing so well, it's because of the, the, the system that they play. And we've talked about it briefly on previous episodes, but they, they have a three-center-back system where um, the wing-backs uh, with two wide wing-backs, Enda Stevens and uh, George Balduck, um, and Chris Basham and uh, O'Connell are usually the two outside center-backs. And they these outside center-backs will flood forward in between kind of the wide wing positions and uh, the central midfielders. So there's like a channel there. Like if you if you look down, yeah. are looking down a pitch uh, on the outside, you have your wing backs, and you kind of have the central midfielders. There's like a thin channel in there, and that's where those outside center backs like to get in. That's how they scored their goal against Spurs, a, cra- a cross that went into Basham that Basham kind of moved away from and ended up going in. Um, and so from an attacking perspective, they have this like weird, you know, it seems like they, they score like one or two goals a, a game in their, in their victories or draws where – 
the runs are, are, are they're having runs into spaces that opposition defenders aren't really used to handling, and I think that that causes some of their goals. It's how they scored against Palace, and then defensively. I mean, they just—they have a lot of guys back there, right? And mm-hmm. they, these are these are center backs who have played for Chris Wilder for the last three, you know, three seasons minimum, um, and it's the same exact team that they played with in the championship, and it's a style of football that teams in the Premier League aren't used to playing against. Now, do I think that's going to wear off and people are going to learn from that, especially when people play them a second time, you know, in the back half of the season? Yes. So I don't expect them to stay in the top half of the table. I expect them to slide down, but. Um, I mean, as for now, I would expect them to finish around probably 13th to end the season. At this point, I would I would think they'll do better than that, but I think it's fair. And, um, you know, you didn't even really mention either. You said something about their central midfield, but Lundstrom, Fleck, and Norwood have been really, really good for them. And those are three guys yeah. that are just not – uh, not people that we'd expect to be lighting up the prem coming into the year, but they've, done, they've been great, so credit to them. Yeah, um, and then as we continue to move down the table, you've got Arsenal, who lost to Leicester, like you said, this weekend. Um, and Unai Emery, uh, Leicester fans were chanting. You watched the game, right, Chris? I did. Yeah, Leicester fans were chanting, you're getting sacked in the evening. So let's take a quick pause. For people that might not go on Twitter or listen to post-game pressers too often, uh, Unai Emery, we'll, we'll tweet out something. But we'll see that compilation. He, in every one of his press conferences or interviews after the match, says, good evening. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of just like that. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. (laughs) <laughs> but but he the best part is is he uses good evening like a pause word. So you know how in American like English people, people Yeah, yeah, people people say the word like, hey, so I'm like gonna go do this. He'll be like <laughs> he'll be like um he'll say uh, you know, it, it was clear penalty. Good evening. Um, we had another look at <laughs> like, drop one mid sentence. Uh, <laughs> So funny. It doesn't make doesn't make any sense. It's but so um, funny. But we were talking. We'll get, we wanted to talk about him because we think he might get sacked. But, yeah. But I just yeah, can't get I, over I mean, it. I mean, I think he's definitely heading for the sack. I think he's getting sacked sooner rather than uh, rather than Pochettino for sure. Um, I think the Granite Jaka nonsense that happened last week really, really won't help him. For those who didn't see, Granit Xhaka got subbed off um, against Crystal Palace, and uh, while he was being subbed off, the home fans at the Emirates uh, cheered and jeered, um, sarcastically applauded him off, Um, and then Xhaka started putting his hands to his ears and asking the crowd to make more noise um, than applauding them, and he just marched straight off into the locker room. Now, keep in mind, Granit Xhaka is club captain at Arsenal, and since then, he's been stripped of his captaincy. It's been given to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the Gabonese uh, center forward, and uh, Xhaka actually didn't make an appearance this weekend um, in their fixture against Arsenal, or in their fixture against uh, Leicester, excuse me. A couple things on that, like... I mean, it doesn't make Una Emery look good uh, that he awarded the captaincy to a player with that kind of attitude, right? And, like, that's the biggest thing is, like, oh, yeah, this is a mess. But, like, that the fact that your judge of character initially was that to, to give you know, the captaincy to that type of player isn't indicative of really strong management. Who you place the, the captaincy in uh, at a club is pretty a pretty important thing, right? Um, so I think that's a big knock on Emery as well, and obviously the results to to date aren't aren't very strong, um, and their campaign in Europe is is kind of sputtering as well. So, yeah, I think he's getting sacked pretty soon. Yeah, Jaka is trash. That's my take on that. 
That's all I have to say. Yeah, I just like it's it's obvious though. Like if you if you've watched them, like he's not very good. Like he doesn't um, do much for them, and he has he's such a hothead. He like can't yeah. keep his emotions in check. He makes dangerous tackles. I swear, like I don't know if I can back this up, but he seems like he gets more red cards than anybody else in the prem, and he whines like he just doesn't have good leadership qualities. Maybe he's totally different in training, but from what we can see, he's just like I don't know. That's yeah. not the guy who was the face of my club. Yeah, me, me neither. Um, but. I, I do think he's getting sacked. Um, and then if we go all the way to the bottom of the table, right now the bottom three, looking at the Premier League table, Chiss, mm-hmm. is I like looking at that Norit, table. Norwich, Southampton, Watford. Watford got their first win this weekend, beating Norwich, actually, to put Norwich bottom. Um, they're on seven points, eight points, and eight points, going from bottom to top, respectively. How do you think that's going to shape up for the rest of the season? Sounds about right to me. It's, I mean... It's probably not realistic to say that the bottom three right now on November 11th are going to be the same as they will be come uh, the final day of the season. But I think those are probably the three worst teams in the Prem. And yeah, you look, I mean, you, you look at the teams right ahead of them, Villa, West Ham, Everton, Spurs. I mean, Villa, we still don't quite know what they are, but they've looked way more promising than those bottom three teams. West Ham, Everton, and Spurs are all too talented to get relegated. So, I mean, you'd have to look ahead to a Newcastle or a Brighton or a Burnley, one of those teams slipping up more. They all got double the points, basically, that those bottom three do. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely starting to... There's a bit of a gulf starting to emerge between the bottom three and the rest of the table, right? Like, So even if Watford, Southampton, Southampton or Norwich win this weekend, they will remain in the bottom three. Um, so, you know, if you're a fan of one of those three clubs, you've got to be a little bit concerned. Southampton's been here before. They were here last season. They've lost four out of their last five, including a 9-0 trouncing to Leicester. Um, Watford did just pick up, um, pick, pick up their, first, uh, their first win um, this past weekend, which was... I mean, it's a good sign if you're... If you're, if you're Watford, Gerard obviously, Natu- naturally. was all over the pitch. Um, they need him to dominate for them to have any chance. Yeah, and then Norwich, like, it's it's becoming more and more apparent that that, that shock win against Man City was just, in, in, like, a massive, the massive thing about, The thing fluke. about Norwich is they will quickly climb out of the relegation zone the second I drop Timu Puki in fantasy. Because the last, like, <laughs> month and a half, I picked him up and he hasn't scored a single goal since I picked him up, despite his electric start. And I've thought about dropping him every single week. And every time I'm like, mm, nope, this is going to be the week he'll score. I'll give him one more. And he doesn't do it. So right when I drop him, Norwich are going to spring up the table. I'll let you guys know when it happens. I haven't done it yet. so. Yeah, and I think I, – well, I think – and even if you look at the goal differential of those three teams compared to everyone else on the table, it's atrocious, right? Like you're looking at uh, Norwich, Norwich at minus 17 goal differential, Southampton minus 18, and Watford minus 15. And then in 17th is Villa on 11 points. They're minus three. Right, um, and the only and the only other lower t- uh, team um, as close to any of that is uh, Newcastle at minus seven on thir- at thirteenth in the table. So um, that just goes to show, kind of just goes to show um, how lopsided the play is when those when those teams are playing. So yeah, just I think goes to show the- Norwich, Southampton, and Watford not very good. Not very good. I think the only two teams that may slip down to join them would be Newcastle and Brighton, but they would have to run into a bit of a. Um, uh, struggle, you know, uh, a bad patch of form in order to do that, obviously. But yeah. There you well, we'll see. Just we'll we'll see what happens. Let's get into some trivia. How about it? Let's hit it. Let's hit All it. All right. My turn to quiz you. I've got a fun one, I think. 
Um, I really don't know if you'll like it or not. I think you will. Um, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. I'm looking for 10 players. Love that. Uh, they are all in the Premier League. And they are the top 10 this season in successful dribbles. Mm-hmm. That is total successful dribbles. So not like total, per 90. Total. Okay, and not a uh, and is it it's total dribbles, not percentage of dribbles. Correct. Total successful dribbles completed. I'm gonna give you 90 seconds, and let's see. Time starts now. Okay, Sadio Mane. No. Wil- Wilfred Zaha. Yep. Um, Andros Townsend. No. Um. J- uh, no. Uh, James Madison? Yes. Jack Grealish? No. Uh, Anwar Al Ghazi? No. Um, Todd Cantwell? No. Gerard Delafeu? No. Felipe Anderson? No. Uh, Yarmolenko? No, no, no. no. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, let's reassess You're here. A couple more. Mo Salah? Mo- 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 no. Uh, Angie Robertson? Nope. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold? No. Um, Iosu Perez? No. Harvey Barnes? Nope. Mason Mount? Nope. Willian? No. Um, <laughs> holy shit. 30 seconds. Uh, I'm, I'm not really thinking of the right players. Uh, Aubameyang? No. <laughs> uh, Marcus Rashford? No. Oh, my God. There's a couple of things you should get. Okay. Uh, Diego Yota? No. Raul Jimenez? No. Um, Ashley Barnes, nope. no. Um, holy shit! You got ten seconds. Um, wow. Uh, jeez. Uh, Deli Alley, Harry Kane. Um, time's up. Jeez, dude. Okay, well, it was a little tougher than I thought. Um, you got? Do you know how many you got? Uh, you gave me Zaha. Yeah, uh, I mean, you got I two. just blacked out. I got two. Yeah, you Zaha, Madison, and, and no Grealish. There was no Grealish, right? Zaha, Madison. There was another Villa player that you should have guessed. He didn't. Get out. McGinn. McGinn. Num- he's number damn five. Damn it! Damn it! All right, so damn you, it, you it, got number it. one, Wilf Zaha, fifty-five successful dribbles. Number two on the list had forty-one successful. Plays for Norwich. Plays for Norwich. He had Buendia. Yep. Number three wow. had 40 successful dribbles. This one should have gotten, probably. Place for Wolves. Adama, duh. Yeah. Dude, he like, he like has played so few games, I didn't even... Well, he's played uh, in 11 matches out of 12. He has well, less not, minutes. Well, not started. Yeah, he has less minutes yeah. than some of those guys. But, I mean, it's still, you watch him play. And uh, Yeah, yeah, I should have guessed, should have guessed, should have guessed. Um, next one, Arsenal player with 36. Lacazette? No. Is, um, is it a wing? Ba- wing is it a wing back? No, or a winger. Another guy with um, not a ton of minutes, but a good amount. A winger from Arsenal. Um, not Ozil. N- oh, oh, Pepe. Yep. Duh. Yep. Then McGinn was five with thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Number six with thirty-one from Bournemouth. Who? Frazier, Callum Wilson, Josh, Josh King. Josh King. 
yeah, number seven had the fewest minutes out of anyone on this list by a huge margin. 20, really? 29 so, successful dribbles, newcomer to the Premier League this year. Right, that means he comes off the bench and he's like a spark factor at the end. I'll give you the team, but I think you can get it without it, so I wanted to give you a second. Um, yeah, hold on. Trossard. No. <sighs> I thought I had it there. Uh, oh, St. Maximin. Yes. <laughs> so he has 29 um, and basically half the minutes that everyone else has played. And then wow, he, I should okay. I, I was guessing I was not guessing the right time. Right, like okay. Adama, what else? I thought you were gonna get St. Maximin. I thought you would have probably yeah. Um, I, these are pure. These are pure dribblers. Right? These eight, aren't even like number good eight, team I players. Don't, I didn't expect you to get. Um, he plays for Chelsea midfielder. Twenty nine successful dribbles. Oh, jo- um, uh, not Jorginho, but uh, Kovacic. Kovacic, yeah, and he actually has by far the best percentage out of anyone on this list. Damn, he's Kovacic, only, shout he's out. Twenty nine out of thirty three were successful. Which is the most part, mm. like a huge margin and percentage. Yeah, well, number well nine done. was James Madison. You got that. And number ten mm. is a player that you really like from Burnley. Oh, do is he Dwight McNeil? Yeah. So <sighs> it was it was a tough one, but I felt like I mean I thought you would have gotten McGinn. I thought you would have gotten Adama. I thought you probably would have gotten. Josh King, St. Max, I mean, so... Yeah, no, I mean, in, in hindsight, like, when, yeah, once you establish the theme of player, um, it, is, it like. is much easier, right, it is much easier to guess once you establish the theme of player. I was too busy stuck with, like, the the Rashfords, and the, but it goes to show how uh, those guys, you know, they move the ball. Those good teams move the ball a lot more, right? Some of the bad teams, some of the guys have to take more people on by themselves. They do, they do. Well, um, 2 out of 10, not great. Better luck next week or in two weeks, I guess. Uh, when you're back up, but uh, moving into the predictor app, I wanted to give a quick update. My dad texted me about an hour ago. He knew that we were about to record. He just wanted to let us know that he won two dollars on the Sunday night football like seven and seven pick 'em thing on the predictor app. Um, so he just wanted to make a note of that. Also, he is at the top of the season long standing still. Second place, the Sean Man, tied for third, yours truly, and our friend Nick Harmon. Any idea where you sit, Jack? No, probably not high. Yeah, you're uh, you're on the right track. Yeah, not, all right, not well, high at all. Twenty third. Let's move, let's, out of let's move on to our picks. Twenty third. Let's, so let's move on to our picks. Let's move on to our picks. Good picks. Maybe listen to me. Um, rather than the guy who's not even in the top half and he hosts the pod. All right, easy. You say that on the back of a bad trivia session. You know I kick your ass in trivia every week. Well, you're you're going back to trivia when you just got two out of ten names in ninety seconds. All right, so Tough the first work. game of the predictor app. The first game of the predictor app is Arsenal versus Southampton. Chris, who you got? Uh, I watched Arsenal play this weekend against Leicester. They did not look very good. They don't look like a team with a lot of identity right now. They don't know who their best 11 is. Southampton, not good either, but hungry dogs run faster, as Big Cat says. Uh, and Southampton are the hungrier dog. They need, they need some points. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Okay. I just edited my pick as we were talking there because I was like, you know what? I'm going to 
I'm going to provide some wisdom to the fans here. Um, he's yeah, Arsenal because Ar- he's so rattled that I just read those standings out, and now he has no confidence Arsenal, in his selections. Arsenal, Ar- Arsenal, Arsenal aren't good, and after talking about how bad they are for like 15 minutes on this pod, I'm going to say they're going to lose 1-0. Southampton getting a way win at the Emirates. Emery sacked after the game, called it here, heard it first on the pod. Good evening. Good evening. All right, next we got Palace at home to Liverpool. Yes, and this is all too familiar as a result, Christian Bull, for those who know. And we were talking about Liverpool winning the title and looking way far ahead. The, you know, flashback, once upon a time, Liverpool also looked like they were going to win the title. Went up 3-0 against Crystal Palace at Selhurst, blew the 3-0 lead, um, and Crystal Palace dashed their title hopes. Do I think this is the same affair? No. But I do like Palace at home with the crowd behind them coming off of a poor fixture. I think they're going to be tough to break down. Hopefully it's a cold, wet, rainy night at Selhurst. I think Palace 2 Liverpool won. Palace hands them their first defeat of the season. Come on, you Palace. Yeah, you, you predicted the same thing for Villa. Didn't happen. Um, I don't think it's going to happen It was close, here. though. It was close. Yep. You got you got to admit. Yep, and uh, Villa gets zero points from that fixture for it being close. I just watched Palace come off a piss-poor performance against Chelsea. I don't have a lot of confidence in them after that. I'm going 3-0 pool. All right, and then we got Man City versus Chelsea. Who you got in that one? I, I'm really looking forward to this picture. This is a huge match. Um, I know we were talking about how big City Liverpool was, and it still is a huge match. That's the biggest of the, of the first half of the season probably. But this is becoming extremely exciting with the form that Chelsea are in. Keep in mind, they have a lot of guys called up to the, the English squad right now. Let's hope that they all stay healthy for this. But I, I'm going to go with City bouncing back a bit, and I think they're going to win 2-1 here. Uh, I do not think that they'll hold Chelsea to no goals. But uh, 2-1 City in a, in a good get, uh, thrilling fixture, I think, there. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 City. I think City... Uh you know, City bounce back uh, as they tend to really, really well. Pep's a great manager, and I think they're going to kind of they're going to teach Chelsea a little bit of a lesson. They're at home at the Etihad. Chelsea haven't, you know, they don't have a bunch of these big game wins to boot. Flashback to that week one thrashing against Manchester United. So I'm going to go City to win this one two nil. Um, maybe not handily, but like professionally. You know, they'll 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 get one, defend well, and then get a second early in the second half and kill the game. Yep. All right. Uh, next match. Is another, shuffled, another big one yeah. for the table. Blades against Man United. Blades at home. Who do you like? Blades at home against the Red Devils. Um, I don't know if you saw that Marcus Rashford miss this weekend, this absolute sitter that he missed. Um, I'm going to go with this one, goalless draw. Um, I think defensively, Blades are tough to break down. I think United trying to bring the game to the Blades. Um, but I don't see a lot of goals in this one. Nil-nil. Yeah, I'm done picking against the Blades. Chris Wilder got me spooked. I'm going 2-1, Blades. I'm blades. also we're only blades. calling them Blades. So if people get annoyed with that, I'm sorry. You've got to put up yeah, with it. Yeah, if you don't know who hashtag Blades are, then you listen to the pod. Ask, uh, ask yeah, Andrew Lockman. Yeah, he'll hashtag Blades. Um, and then we've got Aston Villa, last pick, against Newcastle, 17th against 13th. Steve Is Bruce this a revenge, revenge game. Yes, exactly. Is this a revenge <laughs> match for Steve Bruce? You were about to say it, and I beat you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was doing the intro for this game, too. Well, well, no. t- well, I had to say revenge game, and I heard you about to say it, so I wanted to get there first to get the credit. Um, I don't think it is a revenge game for Steve Bruce. I think Steve Bruce sucks. I'm going 1-0 Villa. Villa... It's about time they have to start capitalizing and getting some points. They're putting good performances. They're not really turning into results. They need this one. Big match. Yeah. 
I think I think um, Jack Grealish comes back into the side after the international break. Villa win two nil. Um, they desperately need him for some attacking flair. Um, I think, and I've said this in our in our footy group text. Um, Villa look really really exposed going for really weak going forward with these wide players. Uh, El Ghazi doesn't you know he's not having the type of influence he did in the championship. Um, Trezeguet Yota's been out. Um, Trezeguet and Yota haven't been massively influential. Yeah. Um, they've had some you know like Trezeguet has a, the two set piece goal one from a corner and a header i'm just not seeing them with the ball looking pacey and dangerous you know then whereas you know if i see for example if i see zaha on the ball for palace i know that's an absurd comparison um i do think we can go and snatch a result in any in any scenario or palace can so i don't um, i just think i I think villa need to go and buy a a winger in the in the window i don't want to get too into this because we're about to end the pod in a second here but i don't agree with you really I know you sent this to me the other day about how you don't like Trezeguet. He's, they've scored two goals in their last two matches. He's scored both of them. And, like, when are you going to start putting some more of the blame on Wesley? He's up there I, I agree. I, I, he's not I, doing I agree. anything. I, I think, yeah, I think Keenan Davis should start in the next game. I don't. Wesley has not been. It, like I said previously on the pod, it, Wesley is showing uh, every, every Villa fan how for granted they took Tam- Tammy Abraham last season and how absolutely brilliant Tammy Abraham was for Villa last season. So I think Villa, they maybe do they need to go buy a new striker? No. Maybe getting like a Mishi on loan to provide some some better first-team competition because I don't know if, if young Keenan Davis is really threatening Wesley for a place. I think the, the, a Mishi loan would be brilliant if that was possible. Um, but I also think just, you know, I don't think Wesley, it's not like I've seen Wesley miss a bunch of sitters. Like he's, we're not getting that uh, that much in from, the, from wide Areas. I remember Tammy. The amount of service he was getting in the championship was insane. Yeah. Um, and and there's not that much coming into Wesley. So I do think they need to go and buy, you know, a winger. Maybe maybe bring Yala back to the prem. Bring Yannick Blasi back. Who knows? Well, hopefully we can get Hota back quick here. Um, but yeah, anyway, we got a little bit more in depth in that Villa performance. Um, but that's about it. There. We, we're done through the predictor. We do have an international break coming up this weekend. We haven't decided if we're going to record anything in the meantime. Uh, we might do a little bonus pod if we're bored, but we'll see. Anything else you want to discuss, Ridge? Uh, no, that's about it. Uh, we got some new listeners here in Chicago this this uh, this past weekend. Shouts to Dan. Um, appreciate the listen, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, that's what I do. You know, some you mentioned to me that you you listen to fo- you watch football, listen to football, like football. Um, I'll instantly plug the podcast. So. Um, yeah, shouts to him. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll tweet out a little good evening video. Um, but aside from that, that's all I got. Just goes to, sh- just goes to show. Good evening. Everybody's human. Thanks.